We have uh, lots of Easter leftovers. Uh, for the past few years, my uh, wife has invited uh, other families to join us for Easter dinner. Usually we have a very large ham, uh, but obviously this year that didn't happen because of all that's going on with COVID-19. But that didn't stop my wife from making enough food to feed an army. So we have been eating leftover ham every day for the last uh, five or six days. And my kids are sick of Easter leftovers. They're sick of ham, and, and honestly, so am I. But those are not the Easter leftovers I want to talk about. I actually want to talk about pressing questions uh, that I still have left from Easter. One of those questions is, how does the resurrected God resurrect us? Is the power that raised Jesus from the dead alive in us? And if so, how do we know? What is the evidence that the power that raised Christ from the dead is actually alive in us? Well, the evidence is that we become like Christ, which is the goal of the Christian life. It's all over the scriptures. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love each other. Uh, in 1 John, the apostle tells us that uh, whoever claims to live in Jesus must walk as Jesus walked. Because as John continues, in this world, we are like Jesus. So the goal of the Christian life is to become like Jesus, uh, which is what holiness really is. Holiness is not a uh, stodgy, holier-than-thou, judgmental, self-righteous, legalistic uh, sort of tone or vibe. Uh, Jesus wasn't like that. No, holiness happens when we open up our soul to the Father who sends the Spirit to make us like the Son. And when that happens, we're raised from death to life and we begin to love what Jesus loves and hate what he hates. We start to love people in a way that uh, causes them not to run from us in shame, but to run to us because of grace. We start to hate what Jesus hates. We start to hate sin so that we run from it like it's the plague or like it's the coronavirus. The point is, the, re the evidence of resurrection is holy love. It's becoming like Jesus. It's a transformed life. Every one of us, every year, should have a before and after picture. So the 2020 Lenny should look different from the 2019 Lenny. Not because I dropped 10 pounds and picked up exercise, but because I dropped some sin and picked up love. And that's what it's like to experience fullness of life, to become like Jesus, to have the power that raised him from the dead alive in us, transforming our lives so that in this world we are like him. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Paul, the apostle, put it this way. In Christ, we get to experience a life that is truly life. And I wonder if many of us out there in, in cyberspace, uh, those of you watching, I wonder if many of you feel like uh, you're not experiencing the bountiful, abundant, 
fullness of life on your plate, but just scraps. And so this morning, I want us to wrestle with this question primarily. How can we position ourselves so that the power that raised Christ from the dead can raise us up from death to life? So, if we're going to have the power that raised Jesus from the dead alive in us, we have to hang with Jesus. Right? To, to be like Jesus, we have to be with Jesus. We become like the company we keep, right? The company we keep determines the content of our character. I tell my kids that all the time. I remember in college, I had a Canadian friend, a guy named Kevin from Toronto, Canada. We spent a lot of time together. And uh, I picked up a lot from him when I spent a lot of time with him. Uh, He had a boisterous laugh that I started to imitate without even trying. And of course, I picked up his Canadian accent. Out and about and house and mum. Uh, The same is true in marriage, right? We, We spend time with our spouse. Over time, we become a little bit more like our spouse, actually. So after 22 years of marriage to Amy, I've learned to love what she loves. So I notice things I never noticed before. I walk into a house and I notice home decor right away. I notice the color of paint on the walls. I notice what's hanging on the walls. I notice furniture patterns and the use of space. And I would never have noticed that stuff had I not been married to Amy. To be like Jesus, you have to Be with Jesus. You have to hang out, spend time with him. This is all over the New Testament. Uh, But I want us today to do some detective work, specifically in Mark's gospel. Uh, So I want you to just sort of pick up the magnifying glass and put on the Sherlock Holmes hat and do some sleuthing with me as we look at uh, two passages, really, in Mark's gospel. The first one is Mark 3. Mark 3, beginning with verse 13. Mark tells us, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now, there's something really significant going on in this passage that's subtle enough to miss. At least I missed it for a long time until I saw it. The first calling of Jesus to the apostles, and I would argue to us, is to be with him. He says, he, it says Mark tells us, he called the 12 that they might be with him and then that he might send them out to preach and drive out demons. So God's first calling through Christ to the apostles and to us disciples is to friendship, then fruitfulness, to being, then doing, to fellowship, then service. The original Greek construction of this call is literally, Jesus called the 12 that they might constantly, constantly be with him. I want us to look at another passage 
Uh, it's in Mark chapter 6, just a, three chapters later. We see again this rhythm of being and doing, friendship and fruitfulness. In Mark 6, uh, Jesus has sent the 12 apostles out in pairs. He sent them on a mission trip to, to preach good news, to cast out demons, to heal the sick. And they come back from that mission trip and they're exhilarated, but exhausted. They're exhilarated because they saw God do great things through them, but they're exhausted. And here's what Jesus says to them, Mark 6, 31. It's the heart of what I want to talk about today. Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, if we pick up our magnifying glass and put on our Sherlock Holmes hat, I think we'll discover in these words from Jesus an absolute gem, actually a pattern for how to spend time with Jesus in a way that opens us up to receive the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in us. Look again more closely at that verse, Mark 6, 31. Come with me by yourselves. Jesus is calling them to solitude, to be alone with Jesus. Solitude. Come away with me uh, by yourselves to a quiet place. Silence. Uh, No speech, no noise. Quiet. And get some rest. Sabbath. No frenetic activity, no productivity, no, no doing, just being. Triple S. Jesus is calling them to solitude, silence, and Sabbath. Because that's how God cultivates in us the power that raised Christ from the dead. To be like Jesus, you have to be with Jesus. If we're going to have the gift of wisdom, if we're going to be able to see the world as Christ sees it, to see ourselves as Christ sees us, if we're uh, going to love what he loves and hate what he hates, if we're going to experience the power that raised Christ from the dead alive in us, then we have got to develop the capacity to on a regular basis come away with him in solitude, Silence and Sabbath. Because if we don't, we will miss the better part that Martha missed because she was too busy serving. Instead, we want to get what Mary got, the one who was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She experienced resurrection in a way that Martha did not on that occasion. I'm saying there's a time for serving and there's a time for sitting. And I think it's about getting our prepositions prioritized. I think so many of us want God to do a great work through us in service. When ultimately, God wants to do a great work in us that comes from sitting with him. 
God wants to do both. But if we take the time to sit with him and he does something great in us, then we can serve him and let him do a great work through us. Now, I hesitate preaching this message because honestly, uh, there are a lot of Christians who are really good at sitting. And that's all they do is sit. They sit, they sit, they sit. And they never serve. And so if that's you, you need to get off your fanny, stop sitting, do something somewhere for someone in service now. But for most of us, our problem is the other extreme. Uh, We're so busy serving that we never take time sitting in the presence of Christ. And we miss out on resurrection. It's kind of like uh, some of us, for some of us, our Christian faith is kind of like a marriage where uh, the husband and wife are constantly doing household projects. They're cleaning the house, doing chores, raising the kids, paying the bills, but they have, have never really sat together in solitude, silence, and Sabbath to just be with each other. They don't know how to be together. And for some of us, that's what our Christian life might look like. I don't know if you've uh, played the game Operation. I did when I was a kid. You remember that game Operation where um, there was this, uh, at least for me, the older version had a nude dude, a nude guy, uh, kind of a sick image actually, but uh, he had inside of him uh, all kinds of weird stuff, uh, bones, and, and, and you as the surgeon had to uh, use this forcep, a tweezer, and remove all of the junk inside of that guy that was destroying him. And if you, if you didn't keep a steady hand and a focused eye and you went up against the side, you'd hear that annoying buzz. Remember that? And his nose would turn red, and it was, it was scary for me as a kid. I can still hear the sound. Jesus, the ultimate surgeon, wants to do an operation on you and me. He comes to us with his forceps, solitude, silence, and Sabbath, to take the junk out of us that is killing us. He's trying to remove the tissue of death and give us the levity of life. And so many times we buzz him away. He comes to us with his forceps, eh, but he's persistent. He won't give up. And he comes again. eh, And we just keep buzzing him away. When Jesus comes with his forceps of uh, solitude and silence and Sabbath to replace death with life, to do surgery, to operate on us, um, we tend to buzz him away with Diversions, distractions, and disruptions, usually caused by devices. I don't need to sort of give you a litany of statistics about how distracted we are in this day and age with our devices, smartphone, computer. Um, I just recently read that 50% of people with smartphones engage their phone as soon as they wake up. I've heard estimates in terms of average use of time on the smartphone daily, uh, ranging from four to six hours a day, while prayer for Christians on average is less than an hour, even for clergy. 
So clearly, uh, we're distracted and diverted and disrupted a lot of times by our devices. Blaise Pascal, I'll put it this way. He said, most of man's misfortunes come from this one simple fact. They do not know how to sit quietly in a room and reflect. Now, he said that in the 17th century before the smartphone, before social media. We're so distracted. Now, I need to be honest and just admit that surgery hurts. Right, so when Jesus comes with his forceps of solitude and silence and Sabbath, uh, those, those sting a bit. Because when we're alone with Jesus in a quiet place and there's no distraction and we're just resting, we start to see things. And there's a breaking that happens. But there's a breaking bad that comes from triple D, distraction and disruption and diversion. But there's a breaking good that comes with Jesus' forceps of solitude, silence, and Sabbath. This is, this is God's pattern. He, he, he breaks us to make us what he has determined we ought to be. So in the hands of Christ, common ordinary bread, once broken, becomes his extraordinary body. Common, odorous, ordinary fishermen after being broken by his hands, become apostolic leaders. Christ comes to us and invites us to be with him so that he can make us what he has determined we ought to be, so that he can remove the tissue of death and give us levity of life to raise us from the dead. But if our, but if our eyes are on the smartphone and our hand is holding the remote, We'll miss it. If we're constantly diverted, distracted by frequent social media checks, watching CNN or Fox News 10 hours a day, anxious and frenetic, and trying to kill time by watching reruns of Law and Order and Matlock, we just might miss an opportunity to be with the one who can raise us from death to life. My best moments with God have come when I stopped, looked, and listened up for God to show up and speak up, because he always does. I, uh, I teach a class at Wesley Seminary called Spiritual Retreat for the Leader. And so I take my students for four days uh, to a monastery. They're all pastors. And during one of those days, I impose upon them a 24-hour triple S retreat where, where they have to be in solitude, alone with Jesus, in silence, no cell phone, no computer, no speech, and get some rest. No productivity, no doing, just being. And they hate me for it at first. But then we come back, and after that triple S retreat of 24 hours, uh, we will debrief, and every single student, every single year that I take students, 
says that God revealed something to them. God showed up to speak up when they stopped, looked, and listened up for him. Now, God didn't always answer the question they were asking. Uh, God didn't always show up in the way they were expecting. But God always shows up to reveal sin so that we repent, to uh, reveal uh, his will in a decision we need to make, to reveal himself in a new and fresh way that causes us to fall in love with him all over again. And that's what it takes. Some of you would confess that right now your, your spiritual life has plateaued. You wouldn't say you're dead, maybe, but you're not fully alive. And the glory of God as a person fully alive. Well, let me tell you this. Here's an opportunity. Like right now we are on lockdown where we have stay-at-home orders. We're stuck at home, uh, social distancing. And what looks like an obstacle just might be an opportunity for you to experience Solitude, silence, and Sabbath. Stop, look, and listen up for the God who shows up to speak up. A life-giving revelation. So here are some ideas I just want to throw out at you and uh, give you a chance to experiment with these, okay? Four ideas on how to stop, look, and listen up for God to show up and speak up. Number one, the dark room. The film of our lives gets developed best in the dark room. We see the light of Christ's love best at times in the dark. And so I want to encourage you for the first 10 minutes of your day and or the last 10 minutes of your day, every day, to go into a dark room in your house where you can't see anything, no distractions, no cell phone, no noise, and simply rest your head upon the bosom of Christ and be with him. Listen for her still small voice. Let him bring to you a revelation that's life-giving. Second thing that you might want to try is um, daily Lectio Divina. Now, you can look this up online in terms of the practice and get the details, but Lectio Divina is a slow meditational reading of Scripture. So what I want to encourage you to do is read one chapter of the Bible a day. Why don't you start in John's gospel if you don't know where else to start? Read one chapter a day and let a verse or phrase or word jump out at you. And then meditate on that verse or phrase or word. Pray it throughout the day. Wherever you go, whatever you do, think upon these things. Third thing I want to commend is uh, a monthly Dog, D-A-W-G, day alone with God. Spend six hours once a month with God. You can come to the church. You can reserve a room. We'll keep it quiet. Uh, You can have time with God. Six hours a day or six hours on a day per month, and you'll be amazed at what it does. I, I did that regularly during my ministry, and it has, I'm sure, saved me from quitting ministry when I wanted to. And it's, and it's removed some of the dross of death and given me more fullness of life than I would have had without that dog. Finally, 
Uh, consider taking a two to three day annual triple S retreat, two or three days of solitude, silence, and Sabbath with the Jesus who wants to be with you. There are lots of retreat places around here. Uh, there are some within four or five hours of Lakeview Wesleyan Church. I can help you uh, develop a guide for how to spend that time. I can help you find some places. The other pastors on the team can as well. It takes us some time to get quiet and listen. But when we stop, look, and listen up, I promise you, God will show up and speak up. I'm convinced that there would be in the church a lot less addiction, a lot less divorce, a lot less depression, a lot less meanness if we could develop the capacity to stop, look, and listen up through solitude, silence, and Sabbath for God to show up and speak up so that he might raise us up from death to life. This is what Operation Resurrection looks like. And I triple dog dare you to practice some of these ways of being with Jesus so that he might raise you from death to life, that he might give you fullness of life. Let's pray. Lord, we are overwhelmed by even your desire that we come away with you by ourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. There's a lot we can't do right now. We're stuck at home. Some of us can't work. Maybe we're less busy than ever in some ways. This is a great opportunity for us to be with you and become like you. God, would you show up and show us your glory, raise us from death to life as we sit with you and then serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.